0: Welcome to Talking Mopar's episode number 127. This is a replay of a live stream that I had the other weekend with a celebrity. (laughs) This guy is a YouTube sensation. He has over 500,000 subscribers. He's produced over 220 videos. He has over 117 million views. He's been on YouTube for 15 years. His name is Dylan McCool. And he was my guest on a Sunday afternoon live session of Talking Mopars. And I can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. So, without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast driven podcast on planet Earth. And I'm your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter. And this is Talking Mopars Live. <laughs>
1: You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar.
0: Before we get into the juicy meat of this episode, I have to ask you guys a question. Is your Mopar protected? Whether it's sitting outside in the elements or inside the safe confines of your man cave, it's important to keep your Mopar protected. That's why I'm excited to announce that I'm now affiliated with a company offering an amazing solution for vehicle protection. They have everything from basic indoor shields all the way to the top of the line platinum shields, offering the very best protection to keep your vehicle safe both indoors and outdoors from elements like dust, water, snow, and even UV rays. Their products are guaranteed to fit and are backed by a great warranty. To find out more about my new affiliate, please visit TalkingMopars.com, click on the affiliates tab, and follow the link to their website. If you need protection for your Mopar, don't worry, we got you covered. Dylan, can you hear me?
1: Hey, hello, can you hear me?
0: I can hear you just fine, brother. Welcome to Talking Mopars. I'm excited to finally get you on the show and uh, talk about what you do, which is basically you're a master of YouTube and you have a lot of fun videos that you've put out um, with project cars. And my audience loves project cars, especially ratty muscle cars, especially ratty Mopar muscle cars. So if you can... Dylan, introduce yourself and i I'm really curious to go back to the beginning before Dylan McCool had over a million YouTube views before you had over five hundred thousand subscribers, and before two hundred and twenty nine videos, how long have you been a mopar enthusiast? What sparked your interest in cars?
1: Well, uh, first of all, thank you for having me. I appreciate that Absolutely. um you make me sound a lot better than I actually am. So <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> it's my and, job. <laughs> might have to get you to film an intro for me and <laughs> talk <to help> me <laughs> up a little bit. But, uh, I guess, uh, I mean, I was, when I was a kid, I mean, my dad was huge into Mopars. I mean, in and, and, you know, a lot of old cars, but mainly specifically Mopars, because growing up, that's what he had. I mean, he was, you know, fooling with old cars, his, uh, his first vehicle was a seventy two or three Dodge long bed that I mean he pulled it out of a field and got it running. And, you know, ever since then, you know, that's really what he's messed with. And growing up, uh, I was around all that. I mean, he had CUDAs and challengers, chargers, uh, back when you could buy a charger like a sixty-eight <laughs> to seventy charger for like thirty-five hundred bucks, you know, it was, <laughs> you can't do that anymore. But yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's crazy how it's gotten how at the prices have skyrocketed. But yeah, just being around that all my life. Um, I mean, my first car I got, I borrowed the money from my grandmother, and it was six hundred dollars. I bought a seventy-four Dart Sport,
2: nice. and
1: you know, just being like, I paid her back over, like, you know, working in the, in her yard. And it taught me a lot about, you know, how to, how to work for what you want. And, and, you know, it'll humble you real quick, but just throwing together a car with used parts, just having like whatever you had, you know, is what you used. And when you have nothing to to start with, you know, you (laughs) kind of got to, you kind of get a little tricky with it, but yeah, he, he just, you know, growing up around that really, really brought me up to where i was like man i I just it's hard not to you know what i mean when you ride around in a in a 344 speed dart or a a big block challenger it's it's hard to to not be just enthused by all that
0: absolutely man now at what point in your history were you like i'm gonna start a youtube channel was the goal to get really big or was it kind of like a hobby at first because it seems like you're, you're on your way. I don't know if you have a day job or if YouTube is your full-time job. If it's not, I I definitely see YouTube becoming something full-time for you in the very near future.
1: Well, it I mean, for me at least, I, I've had a YouTube channel since 2007. I didn't really get serious with it until maybe 2017 or so. Okay, But, I mean, back when I was a kid, I like, used to, you could, like, just, you didn't have, like, uh, you had to, like, find the family computer and, and search up a picture of a challenger or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I used to only have I had a bunch of books of like pictures of cars and trucks and stuff. But, you know, I started i I'd look up like pictures of cars because I I like to draw. And that's yeah. I would look up a picture of a car, you know, beg my mom, hey, could you print this out for me so I could draw a picture of it? Stuff like that. But whenever you were like doing those Google searches, all of a sudden these YouTube videos start popping up. And then you could watch a video of a challenger. You could watch a video of a charger. So I thought that was cool, and growing up, I was—I mean, I still am—but I've just always been obsessed with any kind of like car chase with an old car in it. So I grew up just watching all of that, and got to the point where I kind of was really interested in how movies were filmed and how videos were were done like that. And you know, as I grew up, I started to think, you know, why, why don't we just combine working on cars and making videos and No, I never expected it to be what it is right now, but it turned out to be pretty awesome. But no, I just like, you know, uh, working on stuff and dad, you know, back before I could even like buy a car that I wanted, dad would go buy a car he found and then we clean it up and he would, you know, either fix it or resell it or whatever. So I just said, hey, can I bring a camera along with me and just see what it's like? And I had no idea that people would be as enthusiastic about it as they were and you know just from there it just kind of spiraled but i mean we, we just we would do this stuff regardless i mean the things that we work on the things that we do i mean this is things that we were already doing beforehand i just so happened to start to film it so that's kind of where it it began
0: wow yeah it's got to be it's got to be crazy like i always talk to my friends and i say hey if you want to blow up on youtube do a will it run video cuz it seems like these will it run videos are like the key to opening the door cuz i've seen so many people do that and you know you're one of the you're at the top echelon of video creators for those types of videos and i like i said i really enjoy watching the cars that you you save and uh you know at, on talking mopars we're all about saving mopars from you know dire circumstances and uh i i got to say your challenger that that's one of my favorites I, it just resonated with me so much because it was one of the challengers that you know every there's a lot of people that you know, think the muscle car era died in '72, and it was like downward downward spiral.
2: Right. And
0: uh, I still I still think that there's a lot of potential in those mid '70s cars, those early mid '70s cars, and uh, they're great. They make great, you know, reasonably priced Mopar projects. And I love the fact that you know you saved that Challenger and gave it a, a new lease on life. And I think a lot of people recognize that. And you know, um, you're one of the people that I would credit for making that car. Like, okay, now people are looking at those challengers and going, "Hey, man, what, you know, it's nothing wrong with a sad mouth challenger. Come on, they're cheap." Um,
1: no, absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, any kind of challenger that my dad could get his hands on, that's what he would buy. So I grew up, you know, the challengers one of my top favorite Mopars.
0: And, absolutely.
1: And but it doesn't matter. I mean, a challenger of any year is just is really cool. But like you said about anything like 72 on, I mean, I've got uh, like a 77, and or I'm sorry, it's a 78 Cordoba that I nice. absolutely love. Yeah, it's a, it's a big block, 400. I mean, uh, the guy I got it from had long tubes, 373s in it, you put a, wow. a, a, a 2,800 RPM converter, 440 source heads, a nice cam, and that thing will absolutely rip. So <laughs> and I don't have a lot of money in it. You know, there's... I don't. I don't want people to forget about those later cars that still had big blocks in them, and yeah. you know, like a Cordoba or the Charger of that year. Uh, they don't weigh a whole lot more than <laughs> like a an early or a late '60s b Body. They're yeah. they're really not. They're pretty much the same dimensions. People just rack on them because they're heavy boats. But they they'll fit <laughs> down if you really want them to.
0: Absolutely, you can hot rod anything as long as it's got yeah. a V eight in it. You know, what absolutely. I mean? I have to ask you. You have a you have a large stable of cars, and to be honest with you, I've lost track of what you have. Me too. Can you share with the audience your entire <laughs> the entire McCool stable of cars that you have right now?
1: Oh man, I'd have to get a list out. There's <laughs> good there's so many of them. I mean, <laughs> we can start. I've got I have two '78 Cordobas. Uh, let's see. I got a '73 Challenger. That's the the picture that I, I have here. I, I try to get my my camera to work, but it wouldn't communicate. But um, no worries. That's the that's the day I got it. My my picture there. Um, let's see. I have two. Wait, yeah, two sixty nine Chargers and one sixty eight. Um, like a bunch of darts. I don't even know how many darts. <laughs> I lost count of how many darts. There's a bunch of trucks. Um, uh, a couple C bodies, like a sixty five Chrysler, my sixty five Monaco. I've got a giant Imperial that I don't, I don't, I, I couldn't leave it there. So I had to buy it. And then, uh, non-Mopars, you know, just got a few, like, uh, uh I bought a state trooper Ford, a 66 Ford with a big block 428 in it. Got a 56 cool. Cadillac, but don't, yeah, don't get me wrong. They're not like crazy, uh, expensive cars. These are literally were buried in the mud in the middle of the back of the <laughs> Tennessee, you know, they're not expensive cars at all. But I if, if I see a deal or see a good car that might make an interesting video, you know, I may not work on it immediately, but I'll pick it up and, and store it for later or whatever the case may be. But yeah, just a lot of trucks, a lot of darts, a lot of uh, chargers for some reason <laughs> <Just kind of laughs> around everywhere.
0: That's awesome, man. I, I have seen many of your truck videos. And I love it because I am a huge fan of the 70, 72 to 80, 10 grill Dodge trucks. So it's really nice to see them getting a spotlight on your channel. So props for that. And that's a heck of a collection, man. Uh, <laughs>
1: well, hey, you're, you have a really nice tin grill. That truck you have is beautiful.
0: You know, that was a, uh, when I saw that truck, cause I, you know, I'm the first to admit that I didn't, that wasn't my vision. Somebody else built that truck. My friend Murray, who happens to be, a very good artist and does a, a lot of really cool custom renderings. Um, I saw that at a good guy's show and uh, I fell in love and he fooled me because I thought it was a real Mr. Norm's grand Spalding shop truck, just the detail that he had in um, the lettering. And he even had custom grand Spalding Dodge stickers yeah. made for it. And I fell in love with the truck and six years later, I managed to somehow make it mine. And uh, it, I, I love that thing. But I'm like I said, I'm a huge fan of those trucks. And I really think that, you know when chargers and challengers and you know the e bodies and b bodies we all really love and we hold at the at the highest regard in Mopar history become so out of reach for the average guy. You know because most of us, you know, there's so many people that find these cars and get amazing deals, but there's so many people that want them that it seems like those deals are so few and far between that to the average guy. You know we look at cars like that like a 68 charger and anything 68 through 71 and we're just like man i wish i could get that but we never find those and i i think that the dodge trucks um you know the swept lines are obviously really popular the tin grills are getting even more popular and they're starting to go for a lot of money and then we're going to get into the first gen rams that are going to start getting really popular and i've said that you know as far as um car culture you know you got the the c10 world is huge and now they're starting to, you know, really dig deep into the OBS, the old body style. So the late 80s and 90s Chevy trucks, I really think that the first gen Rams um, are headed in the same direction as the C10 movement. And I really see the second gen Rams really uh, following up with that because those can still be found for, you know, decent prices. And, you know, a lot of them, a majority of them, I would say, have the 5.2. They got the 318s. And then, you know, if you get lucky and you find one with the 360, then, you know, you're good to go. Fun little hot rod truck. So I I love when people spotlight trucks as well. And uh, it's always fun to see them, you know, get pulled out of the weeds and get running. So I really enjoyed those videos. I have a really hard question to ask you, you know, with a collection as big as yours, you have to have a favorite. What, 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 what car, you know, obviously it doesn't have to be a Mopar, but what, what vehicle is uh, your favorite in the collection?
1: Man, I every time I get asked this question guys, like, <laughs> you know, if you ask like your parents to pick a favorite child between you and sure. your or something like that. I mean, it it kind of sways sometimes. It just depends on which one's running the best. Um I think that probably maybe I I'd have to split it between two because one, my i still have my first car. I still oh, cool. have I sold it and uh oh. I, let's see. I sold it when I was seventeen. That would have what year was that that would have been 2013 and when I think I was it was probably 2018 or 2019 the guy I sold it to messaged me on Facebook telling me he still had it because I can't I saved his number just in case I ever got to the point where I could buy it back because I had to I had to sell it you know being a broke high schooler I wanted to you know make a little money but I didn't think about it at the time I guess I'd have to split it between that car and my blue 72 dart just because i've had the because I, I took a lot of parts off of my first car to make that uh like i took the entire uh cross member and front suspension rear suspension some interior parts uh i stole a lot of stuff off that 74 Dart sport <laughs> to make my 72 finally run so it's kind of like they're both the same car they've kind of like they shared so many parts So. If I really had to pick just one to keep, it would probably be one of those.
0: That's awesome, especially coming from a guy like I have a really good friend. His name's Johnny Mopar. A lot of people know him. He has a lot of chargers and he has a, an A-body that, you know, he loves the A-body too, but the chargers are held in such high regard. And it's really funny to me that you have, you know, some of the greatest chargers ever made and you choose an a body um, or two a bodies. That's, that's awesome. I respect that. I think that's awesome. And Hey, much respect to you for keeping the number of the guy you sold your car to because we hear so many stories about, you know, the ones that get away and while you let yours go, you got it back. That's, that's a great story to hear. Um, I I do know that you're a a fan of demons. And when we were in Georgia, I, I was looking at the demon that they had and, and when you showed up, I was like, Oh man, he's cause I, I really want, I really want that demon. I'm just not sure I can make it happen at this point. But I was like, Oh, he for sure is going to get this demon. <laughs> I, was, I was actually, I was hoping that you were going to get it. So I didn't have to, cause that's right. a lot of money to ship back. I live in Washington state and it's going to be a lot of money to ship it. So I was like, Oh man, that's going to be rough. Um, uh, how hard are you looking for a demon right now?
1: So it- Okay, it goes way back. It goes way back. (laughs) It actually goes in because of my 72 Swinger. I wanted a twin to that car just with the, you know, the Dart Sport, Demon, Duster body style. And being that I had, you know, my first car being that 74 Dart Sport, I wanted to have, you know, a a Demon that kind of matched my 72. And I found a a perfect, absolutely (laughs) perfect 72 Demon. It was it was a uh, Petty blue, black uh, stripes had the dual snorkel, uh, black uh, stripes on the hood and everything, uh, blue interior, three hundred and forty automatic car, perfect driver had rally wheels, white letters. I mean, and it was it was ratty. It was an all original car. I mean, absolutely untouched, but it was a good running and driving car. And he at the time. This was before. This was like you know, mid 2018, he wanted 7,500 bucks for the car, which okay. is an absolute steal yeah, right yeah. now. <laughs> and I messaged the guy, I said, Hey, I want to come look at that car and buy it because, you know, I hadn't bought, I hadn't bought my charger yet. I hadn't bought anything yet. And I really, really wanted this car. And the day I was supposed to go look at it, he said, you know what? my wife talked me into keeping it i'm like when does your when does anybody's (laughs) wife ever talk them into keeping the car that was that was a shocker to me so he ended up keeping the car and i i found the car probably maybe a year or two later for sale again by him and he wanted he had like gone through the engine and stuff cleaned up a few things and then he wanted 12.5 or no he wanted 10.5 for it i'm sorry it sold fast. It went yeah. very fast because it's a good looking car. Then I found it again <laughs> a year later for twelve five, and I'm like, man, I can't just get this car. But, um, I mean, I, I've been wanting one for a while just because of the way the seventy two grill is my favorite out of that early A body because yeah. it's that one year only grill. It's just a, it's a clean, uh, clean lines. It's just very. Very minimalist doesn't have a lot going on and I like that and I'm sure I don't know if you had seen the video about me getting scammed out of a demon Uh,
0: I saw it's been a while since I watched that one Um, tell tell the folks about that because I know I've been scammed and I know a lot of people have been led on by these ads so uh, go ahead and fill people in on that story
1: so before I tell the story just know that when you find that your dream car or you know one of your dream cars, a lot of your common sense kind of gets thrown out the window. Oh yeah. (laughs) So you kind of get, you know, you get that, uh, the blinders just go up. You immediately just don't (laughs) see all these big red flags telling you, Hey, you know, maybe don't do this. (laughs) So I found this car on Facebook. Um, and it was a 72. No, I'm sorry. It was, I think it was a 71 demon. It was a, v8 car three speed it was white and uh yeah john wilburn already knows about the western sizzling part (laughs) so i i had a i i saw the car and he was asking like 1800 bucks for it i think or something really stupidly low and i thought it was like because the guy i i was like there's no way so i asked him i said can you call me and talk to me about it and he did we talked on the phone this guy literally had a conversation with me and told me things about the car that only somebody who had a demon would know about. He knew <laughs> specifics about it. He said, I'll be honest with you. I'm a Chevy guy. I just, I bought this car and just really want to get out of it. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. You know, he, that's why it's probably priced so cheap. So we, we arranged a time to meet. It's like four hours away and we start to get, we get loaded up and everything. And then he, t- I, I kept asking him for pictures of under the hood inside the car. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll send you those.
2: Mm.
1: And he's like, if you want to go ahead and put a down payment on it, uh, I'll go ahead and do that. And I said, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. So I PayPal him. I think he dropped the price to 1500 bucks. I said, yeah, I'll PayPal you that. God. Or actually I, I gave him half. And he said, if you want to go ahead and give me the other half, because I have some, uh, I think he said he had like some housework to do. I'm like, okay, yeah, you seem like a nice enough guy. You know, red flags everywhere. (laughs) He never sent me a picture of the van. I asked for that multiple times. And that was to my stupidity after I'd already paid him. And then he just ghosted me. Didn't say a word. And I'm going with a friend of mine to take this drive. And he says, he's the kind that like, he's like, he's my best friend. But he's the kind that like, he'll ag you on to get you to do something. But then when things (laughs) go wrong, he's like, I don't know. It, It wasn't my fault
2: oh man but
1: but he he kept wanting he said let's just go let's just go let's just do it i said i think it's a scam but i'll go so we get about an hour or so out of town and the dude just won't message us back so again like john wilburn said down here we we stopped at a western sizzling off the interstate and he starts asking around my buddy does he said he's he knows some people who live in the town that we're going to he says uh does anybody know this name, or if he if he's legit, or if anybody could check out on a car, a guy messages him and says, "Yeah, I had the same exact instance where that exact person was selling like a '58 Impala or something like that, and they wanted absurdly low price for it, and it turned out to be a scam." So at that point, you know, I was yeah. I was tore up, I was upset, and I t- I said in the video, I said the the Western sizzling, uh, I think it was a Philly cheesesteak I had there. Was the was the best part of the trip? It, it's the only reason I wasn't upset because we ate good. Oh right? God! But the good news is, is that I did get my money back. Uh, good. a dispute with PayPal. They gave me my money back. But you know, it was a a roller coaster of emotions over like a course of twenty four hours. It was a lot. Yeah,
0: man, that's a uh, that's so unfortunate. Gosh, how many times did that guy get away with that scam? Right. You know what I mean? It's like car folks like us. Like you were saying, you know, we're emotional people when it comes to something we want so bad. And we want it to be real so bad. I've ran into some scams like that. And, you know, one thing, the cliche, you know, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. But as car people, when we see a crazy deal, we want to believe so bad. You know, (laughs) Like I I had a guy at work, he's a newer guy. And he was telling me, he found out that I had a podcast and that I was a Mopar guy. So first he's telling me. That he bought a $1,000 Little Red Express, but he doesn't have it anymore. doesn't have any pictures of it because he lost it in, in a divorce. So I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a really good deal. It's too bad you lost the truck. You know what I mean? And then like a week later, he tells me that he I'm a garbage man by trade. So he's on this garbage route uh, in a city not too far from where I live. And he tells me that he saw a inviolate, an FC7 1970 Superbird in somebody's yard. Okay with no nose cone but it had the big wing and i'm at of course i'm like i'm looking at him with skeptical eyes i'm like okay yeah. asking him some questions i'm like you do realize how rare an inviolate superbird would be and i know enough people in this local area in the mopar community that if that car really existed everybody would know about it i don't think there's a special car that is even even a not so special like i know of a 73 duster that's just sitting in a yard and it's been there forever. It's actually, it's got a 73 front end. It's actually like a 70 or 71. Um, But uh, I posted it up and it was in an area where I didn't think anybody would have known about the car. And, you know, multiple people were like, oh, that car has been there for 15 years. So the idea that a a 70 Superbird, you know, is just sitting somewhere in somebody's yard. And he made the mistake of telling me, yeah, this old guy owns it and it's for sale for 10 grand. He'd sell it for 10 grand and I immediately i was like "Hmm, okay well where's the car because if that's the case i will go buy it right now (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) and uh all of a sudden now the excuses come out oh i I don't remember where it's at i'm like come on dude and uh, he's like i i could probably find it and i was like let's pull up google earth right now and you just show me the general area and i will search it for hours until i find that car and to make a long story short he uh he never came through with the pictures and had a, had a bunch of excuses why. So I, uh, he lost all credibility with me. I don't even <laughs> yeah. like talking to that guy anymore. I'm like, man, you don't have to lie to kick it. You know
1: what I mean? Right. We can hang uh, out. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, yes, yeah, that kind of stuff is just super disappointing that people take advantage of people's passion for these cars. Um, let's, uh, let's shift the conversation a little bit. I, I do want to talk because we didn't have a chance to talk when we were at the muscle car sell-off that Mopar's 5150 was holding, but I'm curious. uh, I know I was just in awe in the amount of cars, especially like, you know, special cars, you know, it wasn't just, you know, small block, nothing special JH challengers or, you know, BH Barracudas, you know, there was a lot of cool cars. there: super B's, Cuda's challenger, RT's chargers. What were your thoughts uh, at that property with all those cars?
1: can I, like, live here again? Yeah, <laughs> can yeah. I move in? <laughs> I was very impressed. I, I thought it was awesome. Um And I think you can tell how excited I was in the video that I posted yeah. about it just, just because of, like, there's so many cars that are just, like, you don't see – the only time you ever see that many Mopars that are like that is at a car show that is Mopar-specific, yeah. and they're yeah. all, like, either – Drivable or restored, like you don't just see wrecked challengers, rusty chargers, and CUDAs just hanging out in in a backyard out off the like in the middle of absolute nowhere. (laughs) I mean, we stayed on a two lane road for I swear an hour, yeah. I thought we were never going to make it there, but it's just it was out in in plain as day, just you know, chargers everywhere. I mean, that had to be the most ratty chargers I've seen in one spot. That and they were all for sale. So yeah I, was, yeah I was in shock. I was really excited to see all that stuff.
0: Man, I'm glad I'm not the only one because I was like a kid in a candy store. I was just like, This is unbelievable, you know. And uh watching people's reactions, I'm still getting messages of where are these cars at? And then yes, I'm getting <laughs> I'm, I'm getting hate messages like they're all mine. They're like, right. well, Why would you let them sit like that? I'm like, Hey, 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 relax. For one, <laughs> they're all for sale. So if you want to be a hero and save them, you're more than welcome to. Um it's just funny how the internet works, but uh yeah, it was, uh, I was just blown away. And I, w- I was thinking to myself, I was like, I think the only way you could possibly see this many cool Mopars in one place is to go to a Mopar specific salvage yard, like a Stevens performance or something like that. I was just, I was just blown away and to find out, you know, th- those guys are all cool. You know, you got Tony and Troy and they're just all really cool people. And, you know, I found out that, oh, this is nothing compared to what the other stuff that they have, you know, scattered across the country. And I'm just like, Mind blown, you know, Um, but I had to I had to ask you what your opinion was on that, because I even recording the videos that I was, I was just thinking to myself, God, people probably I probably sound like a dork right now because I'm just gushing over all these <laughs> ratty cars. And, you know, I said the same thing that you just said. It was like, I, I've never seen so many ratty ch- uh, chargers in one place. It was amazing. Um, but uh I, I am curious if, if you could take one car from that entire collection. Nothing that was inside because there was some really cool stuff inside. Um one project car from the outside of that collection, which one would it be?
1: Uh I don't know if you uh we lost you there for a minute or was it me that uh, I can't I don't know what happened but your screen went black for a second but I think you're good now. Um, oh, okay. Do you got me now? Yeah, I'm I'm good now. I just wanted okay. to know. Uh for one car that I could probably pick well, I mentioned it in the video what the deal of the day, from in my opinion, was uh, out back. There was a that seventy GTX, um, yeah. I think it was Alpine white, black top, black stripe, air grabber hood, four forty car that they were asking like ten five for. Crazy, I mean, right? It's rusty, but it was still yeah. like I'm like you don't see this ever. <laughs> But if I had to pick one car that I could take out of all of them it would probably be that uh that white 70 Charger with 446 pack 4 speed mm. Gator grain top. Oh, absolutely beautiful car. <laughs> absolutely beautiful. Perfect in every way.
0: Yeah. Uh, those Gator grain tops, there's just something about that Gator grain that gets yes. me every time.
1: Yes. I mean, yeah. this, the 70 Charger is probably it's not my favorite of the three years, mm-hmm. but I got to say that it is it's hard to beat when you see it in just something so immaculate and, yeah. and the black interior, man, it's beautiful. There's a there's a local 70 charger. I can't remember if it's a four forty six pack or not, but it's it is a big block car. It's an RT. It's it's black with a uh, burnt orange interior. Ooh. And you want to talk about beautiful. Every time I yeah. see it, I just drool all over it. So <laughs> those weird color combos are probably my favorite.
0: You know, Dylan, you sound like the type of guy like me where, you know, your videos speak for themselves when you see these cars and trucks just sitting in a field, you know, rotting away, so to speak. Um, You see them like I do, where you don't see them in their current state, but you kind of see what they could be, you know, once cleaned up. That's the vibe I get from you, you know, especially with the Challenger. Once you started cleaning that thing up, I was like, wow, it's like... (laughs) cleaning up really nice.
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it, it's actually a funny story. I almost did not buy that challenger Oh, really? because I thought that it was too far gone. Believe <laughs> it or not, I thought, man, this thing needs a lot more work than I thought it would. And my dad looked at me. He said, if you do not buy this car, I'm buying it. We're not leaving here with a manual transmission challenger sitting in a field. Yeah. I said, you know what? Okay, fine. So I bought it, and, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's hard i think that's kind of where a lot of the disconnect is for some folks because they don't see what the car could be yeah it takes a lot of work to get to that point but you know with just like a couple weekends of work and, and enjoying the car you can really have a lot of fun and make something out of nothing like for instance my 72 d100 it's um affectionately named rump um <laughs> old state truck i'd assume but it had zero options 318 two barrel um Three speed man, it was on the column, but you know, they put a floor shift in it. They literally built a floor hump out of a piece of roofing tin, it oh, was wow. bad, it was bad, but it was sitting in a junkyard. And as soon as I saw it, I said, I have to have this car, this truck. It is absolutely beautiful. And you know, I took it home, and you know, it's one of the best running trucks that I have. I mean, it is an absolute pile because <laughs> of the wiring. I mean, I had this, I spent so much fixing wiring connections and all that stuff. And it, it's, it's an ugly truck. It is a rough truck, but it is a great running and driving truck. And I probably have less than 1500 bucks as it sits in that wow. truck. And it's, it, it runs and drives great. And people can have a lot of fun just by being a little thrifty with, you know, find yeah. a part here and there. Just, just throw a little bit of time at it, a little bit of money, go to car shows, go to swap meets, man. It's, it's, not as bad as you think as long as you know what you're looking for
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely i I am curious you know when we talk about obviously the prices of muscle cars are getting kind of crazy you know for the average guy unless you happen across a really good deal like we were talking about earlier sometimes those things just happen what is your what is your advice as far as somebody that, you know, wants to get into, we'll just, we'll just keep it Mopar specific. Um, if somebody wanted a, a Mopar project car and they say, Hey, I want a, a cheap Mopar project car. What direction would you steer them?
1: Four doors. absolutely. Yeah. Four doors are the way to go.
0: Yes, I mean,
1: we, we were, I was just talking to Mike Musto about this the other day. Four doors are no longer parts cars. I mean, I know that right? maybe the older generation has a sentiment towards that being true, but it's gotten to the point where dusters and two door darts are starting to get you know expensive. Like it's Crazy. hard to find. It's hard to find a good priced a body now. Yeah. But any kind of four door B body, a body, C body, no matter what it is, a four door is great. I mean, it's an it's an awesome option. So, and the thing is about the four doors is that they have everything for the most part that a two door has. I mean, yeah. or they can at least you know like you can put a big block in a, in a four door dart just as much as you can a two door dart. So (laughs) that that's kind of where I'm at is, you know, if you really wanted to get into a good, cheap starter, um, either a four door or um, certain trucks, like you were saying earlier, you know, you can still find an affordable truck. Uh, The sweat lines are starting to get a little, little bit high. Yeah. And, but 10 grills and like the, the first gen, they're starting to get, uh, they're a little bit easier to find, I would think. But, I mean, heck, even a long bed, you know, you can find those everywhere. Everywhere.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I love when I'm surfing the internet for uh, project vehicles for sale and I see someone that I know is not a Mopar enthusiast that has a tin grill because they're always dirt cheap. The problem is you've got guys like us out there that know what they are and they're gone like that same thing with the sedans i uh gosh was it last year or the year before i ran across a 69 coronet sedan for two thousand dollars it was crazy it was uh f8 green with blue interior all original Ooh. i've never wow. seen anything like that before 318 car but it was so straight and for two grand and of course I'm, my, I'm stupid i was like nobody's gonna want this thing it's the ugliest thing i've ever seen and i loved it and uh man sure as heck uh I called the guy and he's like, I already got a lineup of people. If it's not sold, then I'll let you know. And I was like, Oh, it'll be sold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's,
1: <laughs> that's when you know it's too late. He's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'll let you know. If know it's yeah.
0: <laughs> and then I got smart and I was like, of course I'm not the only guy cruising local Facebook marketplace ads. I know that, Every diehard Mopar enthusiast does the same thing that I do. And that's why there's always a lineup with these cars. So I always say, you know, if you're not first, you're last in this game.
2: Um, Absolutely. Or
0: or you got to know people. Thankfully, I know some people, but uh, I know that. I mean, I imagine that you get hit up a lot um, with leads to cars, right?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I wish that a lot of them, I mean, you know, as as a car guy in general, not even specifically Mopars, but car guys in general, we want to save them all. We want Hell to be yeah. able to, to rescue every single one of them, but it's to the point where you know, you can't, sometimes you can't. And I, I just yesterday, I got an email um, about an AMC that was all the way in Denver, Colorado, which is, you know, like a 16, <laughs> 17 hour drive for me. I'd love it. I think it would be great. But, you know, sometimes you just got to think realistically about what you mm. can and can't do. Um, but yeah, I would I get a bunch of leads and I appreciate all of them. I, I love to, yeah. I mean, there's, I got one guy that I, I've been messaging him for years on Instagram <laughs> and he'll send every now and then he'll just send me a, a demon or a truck. Deal. I was like, yeah, that's a good deal. I should go look at that. And he, He's actually, ble- <laughs> I forgot. He's the one who sent me the demon that I got scammed on. Oh no. <laughs> and, Cause he's like, Hey, check this out. This is a good deal. I'm like, wow, you're right. I'm going to go look at it. Oh, he, felt, he felt so bad, but I was uh... like, wait, I was like, it wasn't your fault. It was all me. You know, I'm the one who did it. But yeah, there's, there's all sorts of leads that get sent to me all the time.
0: With someone like yourself that has a giant following on YouTube. I know that so many of us, myself included, I was, I'm so far behind in the YouTube game that it's, it's not even funny. It's almost comical at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I know that there's going to be people and, and myself included, um, that want to know, you know, some tips and tricks for growing a YouTube channel, man. Give us your best tips and tricks and just some advice that you have for somebody who wants to, you know, maybe not be the next Dylan McCool, but they want to grow a following and maybe possibly monetize in the future. What kind of advice would you give to somebody like that?
1: Well, I guess um, I can kind of put it in, at least for my example. Now, this may not work a month from now, or it may not work, you know, <laughs> next week, but. I mean, YouTube is constantly changing. There is so many things that YouTube wants to pick up or doesn't want to pick up. I mean, at least for now, I mean, staying advertiser friendly, of course, because YouTube is going to promote things that, you know, foul language or Mm. uh, controversial topics. I mean, they have parameters in place to kind of like check your video and see, do you have any kind of, um, like I said, controversial issues or, or wording or things that you've done in the video. Um, there, there's so many things that, you know, go into it, but I mean, as far as like the production of the video, of course, uh, again, YouTube is, they, they promote high quality stuff. They like to see good content. I mean, mm-hmm. as far as like finding what works for you though, it's, it's kind of a, it's trial and error. I mean, when I started doing YouTube videos, I, I would do them just for fun back before monetization was even a thing on YouTube. I was just making them for for the fun of it but it it kind of took it caught on when i started out i was making like back when i started it was like review channels were huge like go yeah, drive this yeah. or you know review of a car like that dude in blue what he what he did way back then he was huge back then so i started doing things like that except i was scared to talk on the camera so I
2: just,
1: <laughs> it ended up being like a, it transformed into a short film and then from there i found out that the you know abandoned such and such Pull it out of the weed stuff worked for me. What I do doesn't necessarily work for you or for anybody trying to start a channel, but it's being consistent and growing that subscriber base. I mean, the hardest thing to do is just to start. Once you get started, then you can kind of test out things. I mean, there's, I've made, like, I made a lot of videos and I've had a lot of videos not work. Uh, there's been <laughs> people like I didn't like that. I didn't like what you did there. And I realized that. But I have
2: Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, there you go.
0: There you go. We lost you for a second. Go ahead.
1: Okay. I lost you too. I was like, <laughs> is it something <laughs> on my end or I don't know what happened?
0: Who knows with the internet, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but anyway, I I was saying that, you know, whatever you do, you have to do trial and error. You have to just be consistent, have good quality. Um, I mean, even your cell phone has a great quality camera, but yeah, I guess the biggest thing, don't get discouraged by ruthless comments because people are mean on the Internet. That's just how it is. Um, but just finding what works for you, because, like I said, what I do may not work for you or for somebody else, but it's what I mean. At the end of the day, you got to make sure you enjoy it and, and be happy with the content you put out. So. I mean, just find a find a genre that you're happy with. Uh, start a project car. Um, but sometimes you got to take risks. You gotta you gotta do something that people are gonna get their attention. You know, stick with trends, but kind of make it your own. Do your own little twist on it, or start your own trend. I mean, heck, you 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 never know these days. But that's 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 the thing. Do something that's different, but is relatable. I guess that's the biggest thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I love the saying, you know, you don't have to uh, be good to start, but you have to start to be good or great. Right. So for anybody out there that wants to, you know, start a podcast or you know start live streaming or start a YouTube channel like Dylan, um, just do it. You know, trial and error. Dylan's absolutely right, one hundred percent. Um, I don't want to take too much of your Sunday, Dylan. So, uh, I do want to know. You know, there's a really cool event. Our friend John Wilburn's in the chat. And he has organized the No Name Nationals, which is, uh, I guess, an invitational for people with 500 or more subscribers on YouTube to come out and have a great time at the drag strip. It's going to be an eighth mile event. There's going to be a car show. And the idea is to get YouTubers from basically all around the world, um, all around North America to come out to this event and have a good time. And, uh, you know, a nice little competitive atmosphere with call outs and stuff like that. John Wilburn asked in the chat, he said, what is Dylan bringing to the no-name Nationals?
1: Yeah, I believe, John, you emailed me actually about this, if I'm not mistaken. So I've been thinking about it. Um, It's it's kind of up in the air. I mean, it's either do I go all out and throw a, you know, a Hemi something swap vehicle (laughs) out or believe it or not, I have considered taking my little, uh, Mustang two out there. Just yeah. Because if it blows up, what's it matter? <laughs> so, I'm I'm kind of on the fence. I mean, uh, I've talked about, uh, me and a, a buddy of mine, Kevin from junkyard digs doing something together. We're just kind of in the works for it if we go. Um, but yeah, we're, we're really, I'd love to go, you know, even if I don't throw something together, I would love to be there with something so maybe Mustang heck maybe Challenger maybe like I said throw together some rowdy big block or, yeah. or rowdy hemi swap something just just do something like that but yeah I don't know yet <laughs> Dylan doesn't even know yet <laughs> so, so you
0: you haven't been called out or anything yet huh
1: I uh, yeah um actually uh I, I spoke with uh Austin Griggs over at Ratty Muscle Cars oh yeah he wants to to do some kind of uh race he still doesn't know what he's bringing either I don't think but yeah we're we're talked about we talked about doing something there uh yeah just uh and i i I just want to go just to see if I can beat my own time I reckon just uh yeah, sure you know its it's fun that's that's what I like about that event at least is it's there's no stakes to it you go and run with strong <laughs> and uh. break it if it does, and who cares so it, that's I really want to be at events like that. I I love drag racing. I've never done it a whole lot. I don't have a you know a ton of experience on an sure. actual track, but it's so addicting. Like yeah. it's it's insanely addicting. The first time I ever went was in my my blue seventy four D one hundred. Cool. And I was terrified, <laughs> absolutely terrified, because. I'm like, well, how do I, how do I line up? How do I do this? I watched it on TV, but how do you do it? You know? <laughs> but after that, I was like, I can't stop. I can't not go back and try to beat your own time and try to do this or that. And it's so fun. But another thing too, is that you don't have to have a fast car to have fun going down the drag.
0: Absolutely trip. not, man.
1: I mean, that little Mustang I have is not a rocket ship. Well, it wasn't when I took it drag racing. It's pretty fun now, but like I said, you, it ran, a, I think, like a ten eight in the eight mile. <laughs> Not very fast, but sure. it's a blast to drive. It's so much fun.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I do have a, a couple more questions for you. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious what your opinion is on modern muscle cars. Do you do you like the modern Mopars and stuff that that are currently out there?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I have nothing. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a purist by any means. uh, I'm not the one that's mad that they made the charger into a (laughs) four-door. I get it because you got to have a four-door that can, you know, do burnouts and haul the family around. Sure. No, I'm a big fan of them. And especially with, like, Gen 3 Hemi anything. That's Mm. my favorite thing about them is the the technology associated with the new, the modern muscle. I mean, because think about what it's done for the hobby. I yeah. feel like, especially, I mean, you were at Mo Party, just looking mm-hmm. at what the things that Holly has done for you know Gen Three Hemi swaps. I mean, nobody was specializing. Well, there were some smaller companies, but nobody has specialized in this on such a grand scale compared yeah. to what Holly's doing. I mean, they come out with stuff every single day. I mean, <laughs> and, and I think they're going to start driving up the prices of these uh, these year old trucks, man. Yeah. You know, you <laughs> It's it's hard not to just want to Hemi swap everything. But yeah, I I, yeah. I have a two that 2006 Hemi in my Challenger, man. It's awesome. It's so <laughs> easy. It it's not as hard as you think it is. I I averaged like 22 miles per gallon in that car with 391s <laughs> and an overdrive, and it's it's just instant torque, instant power. It doesn't sit there and you know start getting hot at the light it just idles smooth spin the tires and the air works fine the heat works fine it's it's so much fun
0: <laughs> for uh for folks that have never I, I personally have never swapped a gen 3 hemi in anything i do have uh gen 3 in the garage that i want to put in the mr norm truck um i am curious and i'm sure some other people are curious uh how hard and how difficult is it to swap a gen 3 into a classic mopar
1: well, I'll put it this way. I have never dealt with anything fuel injected before I did mine. The only uh-huh. thing I had ever messed with was carburetors and distributors. You know, I was, I was terrified when I first started. Um, but as far as like, like it's, you know, specifically for your truck, I mean, you know, Holly makes everything <laughs> you need for that truck, yeah. literally everything. And, you know, a good set of conversion mounts, the right oil pan. And uh, if you... You know, you can use the factory harness. Um, I didn't uh, because, well, just for a couple of reasons, just for the tunability of it. And you got to use the uh, the original gas pedal because it's, you know, it's drive by wire instead of a cable driven. Uh, I didn't really care for all that. I like mm-hmm. it to be, I, I would mine mind to be as simple and basic as possible, but it's, I would put it on par besides like, you know, figuring out, you know, making sure your sensors and your wiring is correct, I'd put it on par as going from a small block to a big block because awesome. you know, you got to have conversion mounts, got to have the right transmission, got to have the right this or that. But I mean, when it's all said and done, I mean, there's some things, there's a, there's a steep learning curve right at the be- beginning of it all. Like You got to know which pulley system you have, which timing cover you have, um, which alternator you're using, uh, you know, what is it pre VVT is it is it VVT cam do yeah. you have MDS do you not it's there's a lot of things that you have to figure out up front but as soon as you do you can talk it just like you know talking a small block in a big block I mean for your truck specifically I mean your what is yours is a is yours a small block truck
0: Yeah mine's got a 360 in it
1: So going from a 360 to a Hemi the, the Hemi uses the exact same bell housing bolt pattern, yeah. block. So, if you didn't want to change anything in your transmission, you could drop that engine in there with the conversion mounts, and you could you could use it as a, a carbureted. You could you could put an intake on it and a carburetor, but if you already have all the fuel injection stuff, it's well worth it. I mean, external pump. Uh, if you had to, uh, you know, run a supply and a return with a good regulator get yeah. power to it and you know terminator x from holly man it's simple like i said <laughs> you 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 follow the instructions plug it in where it's supposed to and it tells you on the <laughs> the harness itself where it goes it's really not as bad as you think
0: uh, absolutely that's exactly the same thing that i've been seeing and you know my thing was always if i did swap a gen 3 on it i definitely would have to get one of those nice four barrel aluminum intakes and stuff and then you know because with the gen 3 hemis if i'm being honest uh unless it's a 6.1 with that beautiful aluminum intake or the hellcat engine with that gorgeous supercharger on top of it i really am not a big fan of the plastic intake manifolds visually um but holly makes that amazing stealth intake so i've been trying to figure out what direction i really want to go um but uh they are awesome engines and i am glad to see you know companies like my friends from diy hemi that do all the wiring stuff and uh, companies like holly you know when when the big companies start getting involved you know that they wouldn't do that unless they saw a trend developing and um that makes me excited because I, I know that dodge is kind of leaning towards the electric stuff but i i really hope that they never stop producing hemi crane engines because you know eventually I, thankfully there's millions of cars that were produced with hemis and we're going to be seeing them in the salvage yards so there, there should be no shortage of hemis but you know, knowing that we can at least still go directly to Ma Mopar and get those crate engines is a, is a, is a very nice thing to know. Um, before I let you go, um, I did have a buddy on Facebook reach out to me that said he had a story, um, that involved you. Uh, it's Justin Baker. Yeah. Can you tell can you tell me this story?
1: Yeah, I, he's actually in the chat, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah, um, he is.
1: He, uh, okay. So back again associated with that first charger i bought um i was doing a live stream on youtube and i was telling people hey i really want a 68 to 70 charger i had found one in the backyard like about 10 minutes from where i lived but the guy wouldn't sell he didn't want to sell it then the demon thing fell through and doing a live stream just talking hey i'd love to have a charger And Justin commented and said, hey, I've got a buddy that has a charger for sale if you're interested. And at first when I saw it, I thought, no, he's just, you know, he's just (laughs) talking. He's not being serious. Then I got to thinking, I was like, maybe I should just chase that just for a second. I don't need to, like, uh, not say that that's a, a legit thing. So I told him, I said, email me, and then we'll talk. And sure enough, he did and sent me all these pictures of the 69 Charger that was sitting in a field and it sat since, there's was a one-owner car, sat since like, I think it was like 34, 35 years that it had been sitting and real rusty, real ugly, but it was a perfect patina on it. Perfect. All sorts of different colors. The interior was thrashed and the engine was just like, you know, all in pieces, but it was running. He's like, it runs. It'll sit here and run. just not that well. And, I said, what are you asking for? And he told me, and I was like, okay, we might have to commit to this. And I said, do you care to FaceTime me? And we talked for like an hour, and every single thing that I asked the show like to see on the car.
0: Oh, no, we lost Dylan during the story. Dylan, hopefully we get you back in a second here. I'll have to uh, interrupt the story to make sure we get it all. Um, uh Uh-oh. That's how – gotta love the internet right my bad dylan Dylan, you're back you're back dude
1: sorry i don't know what's happened that was weird
0: that was weird so uh (laughs) you cut you cut i lost you at the point where you're talking about um asking the gentleman to send you uh information
1: okay so yeah well we we talked and he he showed me pictures of the car and then i asked him if we could facetime and sure enough we stayed on the phone for about an hour and everything that I wanted to see, I said, like, can you show me this? Can you show me that? We walked around that car for the longest time. And you know, he showed me every single thing I wanted to look at, show me the inside, show me any rust he knew about. And sure enough, I was like, Okay, this is the car. This is the one. Except it was seven hundred and fifty miles from home. So, oh, <laughs> so I'm like, how how can we make this happen? So, you know, got the money together, got everything situated. And I talked to dad, I said, listen, there is a charger out in Oklahoma. Do you want to go with me to get it? And he's like, heck yeah, I want to go get it. (laughs) We left on, I want to say we left on a Friday morning, drove, I want to say it took, it was over 12 hours to get there by the time we got there, (laughs) rolled into Oklahoma at like, midnight or no it was like two in the morning i want to say it was late oh it was late and i was tired got a hotel room stayed there that night got up that saturday morning and drove to look at the car and you know i was like speechless when i saw this car and the dude i bought it from he rolls up in a 60 i think it was a 69 charger that was his daily driver (laughs) oh wow he's like it's raining pouring down rain and he just slides through the mud and pulls up he's like what's up man (laughs) like this is cool (laughs) <laughs> and so we look around the car. It's a it's a 69 R it's not an RT, it's an SE 383, uh, HP, four barrel, uh 323 gears, power window car. Oh cool. uh, green on green. <laughs> and I think it had a I think it came from the factory with a white top, if I remember. I don't remember exactly, but it was, you know, it was complete. It was really complete. And uh, you know, we struck up a deal, got the car loaded and, you know, we he's like, hey, while you're here, let's go look at all these other chargers. I mean, they had like oh, chargers in the back. They wow. had he drove me down the road away just like, check out this General Lee, check out this. <laughs> I mean, there's chargers everywhere. And he's just sending <laughs> me pictures of, and showing me stuff. Um, but we left. We probably left around, I want to say, you know, but it was before lunchtime. We drove we left and drove about two hours straight. And it was on a two lane highway to get back home. And we, we finally kind of got close to the interstate and we pulled off uh, before we hit the interstate, got to a gas station and stopped. And I, it's literally in the video that this happens. And, um, we noticed how like rough the roads were, how bad yeah. everything was. I mean, the car is just shaking. I'm like, we got to get back on the interstate at some point. <sighs> I walk around the car and I said, Oh, wait a minute. The back glass is gone. Oh no. It was there when we left, but now it's somewhere in the middle of a two-lane highway in Oklahoma. Oh no. And I looked at that, I said, What do we do? And I was like, I guess we just keep going. <laughs> <And> <laughs> we we looked around for anything else that might fall off the car and you know, kind of secured stuff, but we drove the rest of the way home with no back glass in the car. Gosh. I mean it, and it came a giant thunderstorm.
2: We were we were
1: racing the rain the entire time. We hit rain in uh, in uh, what was it Arkansas, and it rained mm-hmm. straight from through Arkansas until we got into Memphis. And with Memphis is four hours for me, but I felt like I was finally <laughs> home at that point. We rolled in the house probably around one o'clock on Sunday morning. We had just enough time to unload the car and get it inside the shop, and it came a monsoon as soon. Oh as it my got god. Out, so we did 1500 miles in one weekend and it, it was, it took every bit of like our energy and willpower to even make it back. But that, that's a lot of driving, but we made it back. <laughs> but, but the only reason I got it was because of Justin. So he's the, he's the mediator on that one. He helped me out a lot. <laughs> get that car. So really, really fun, really cool dude.
0: That's awesome. What a story and what a great way to end the show, Dylan, for the people that have been living under a rock, where can they find all your content?
1: Uh, check out uh, on YouTube. Just type in Dylan McCool. I'm on there. Uh, Instagram, it's the same thing. I try to make everything my name. So if you just type in Dylan McCool, you should be able to find me just about anywhere. Uh, I've got Facebook pages, uh, the viewer ride and discussion if you want to check it out or Dylan McCool on YouTube. It's where I post all my videos or just how, you know, share your project. Just a good place to come hang out and talk. Um, things like that. I post like, you know, sometimes I'll do like behind the scenes stuff or post before a video comes out on an Instagram uh, message or something like that or on a post. But if you want to reach out to me, you can message me on Instagram or uh, my Facebook page. It's the easiest way to get in touch with me. If you have a question or something, I'd, uh, I'm happy to help anybody. If they need help with like, you know, figuring out what part to buy or how to get something to run, just shoot me a message. Uh, You know, if I don't get to you, it's not that I don't want to, it's just, you know, it's get a lot of messages, but yeah, you know, that that's why I do it is to help people maybe learn something here and there and, you know, get some, get some of the information out there that somebody might not know, but yeah, that's where you can find me.
0: Awesome. Dylan, thank you so much for joining us here on talking Mopar's direct connections live. I would love to have you again to talk about some future adventures. And I believe the next place, if you're going to be there, I'm not quite sure. Um, I will see you is at Mo party. And then, We'll probably catch up again at the no-name Nationals, buddy. Thank you for coming on the show.
1: Absolutely, man. Thank you. And anytime you want me to come on, just, just shoot me a message. I'd love to come hang out again. That's great.
0: All right, brother. Sounds good. Take care. And we will see you all next time. Remember, if you don't subscribe to Dylan McCool, what are you doing? Go subscribe right now. All right? Thank you all for watching. No Mopar left behind. We'll see you next time right here on Talking Mopars. If you're a car enthusiast like me, then you'd probably enjoy the same books that I do. I love to gain more knowledge about Mopars and cars in general, and that's where my friends at CarTech Books come in. Since 1993, CarTech has become one of the leading publishers of automotive titles for hardcore enthusiasts, with a plethora of titles available in their catalog. They have titles for everyone, whether you're into restorations, high-performance builds, or automotive history. CarTech has it all. They are a company run by enthusiasts for enthusiasts. Some of the titles I have in my own library are... Chrysler's Motown Missile, Mopar's secret engineering program at the dawn of pro stock. New Hemi engines, 2003 to present, how to rebuild. Muscle Car Special Editions. Chrysler Torquefly A904 and A727 transmissions, how to rebuild. And look, folks, they have much more than that. And so do I. In my library, I also have books on how to vinyl wrap, modifying XJ Jeep Cherokees for back when I had one of those, and modifying the new Wranglers and Gladiators and many more. So whether you're looking to expand your knowledge or just want something cooler to put on your coffee table, CarTech has the books for you. Visit CarTechBooks.com and find some awesome books to add to your collection today. There you have it, my friends. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. For everything you need to know about this show, you know where to go, TalkingMopars.com. And you can reach me by emailing Chris at TalkingMopars.com or by leaving me a voicemail on my voicemail box at 209-28-MOPAR. And you just might get to hear yourself on this show, so keep sharing those Mopar stories with me and anything else that is on your Mopar addicted mind. Thank you to my friends over at CarTechBooks.com and also... Don't forget how important it is to keep your Mopar protected from the elements. If you do need protection like a car cover, don't wait. Head on over to TalkingMopars.com, click on the Affiliates tab, and go get your Mopar covered today. Before we shut this podcast episode down, if you want some Talking Mopars merchandise like t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and cool swag like that, check out the merch shop on TalkingMopars.com. And for exclusive bonus episodes and videos only for my supporters, become a Facebook supporter today and get immediate access to those benefits. That's it, my friends. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars Live. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.